0: well 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 here we are hanging out together once again yeah for I another episode it. of totem talk
1: I was waiting to see if you were going to try to sing something from this week. And then I was like, I don't know about that.
0: Nick, um, two thirds of the way through a three gig weekend, there's no singing happening right now.
1: I understand. I don't know if that's uh, the only reason why you didn't choose to sing something from this week, but still.
0: We're protecting our voice. I will also, I think if you ask me politely right now without really thinking about it, to sing one song from this episode, I could do that. I could do
1: one for each band.
0: <clears throat> See, if you asked me to do one song, I could do that. And if you asked me to do two songs, things I start to get dicey do that
1: things start to get real dicey.
0: I'm I'm immediately done. I'm imme- I'm out of the I'm yeah, out of the course. contest. Right. But that's beside the point. Welcome into an episode of Totem Talks. This is season five, episode twelve. Nailed it. Yes, I did. And we are cruising. This is officially almost the halfway point of You're the right. season. Uh, it, sometime in between this episode and next episode, we'll have hit the halfway point of the You're season. You're right. That's true. Uh, so, welcome into that. Uh, we've got an interesting one for sure. We do. I would say three artists that have about as much in common as dolphins do with ants. And that's the answer is not all,
1: much. I was going to say that they're all organic beings.
0: True. There you go. That's what they have in common. Mm-hmm. They all definitively make what most people would classify as music. And I think we would too. Yeah, for sure. Just it's just wild how different all three of these acts are. Yeah. Um but Nick, before we get into it, how are you, man? You know? <clears throat> I am. Right. Exactly. I That's all yeah, I have I think, to say. <laughs> I think uh I think we're both in a in a little bit of a similar boat. Uh, a little bit of uh, the behind the curtain of Totem Talks. Uh we are kind of right up against recording uh right up against the end of our bank of episodes that we kinda save up, uh, to release to you at least in audio form, uh live. Uh or I'm sorry, not live. Release to you in audio form weekly, episodically. <laughs> Uh, So there is no gap. The live episodes that we have been diligently trying to do every Thursday have not gone well. And by that I mean it is yet again a Saturday morning. Correct. Um, We were free every Thursday forever. And then we started. Until we started planning something on Thursdays. Correct. And then immediately our Thursdays were like gig gig. Gig, contest, contest, performance, thing, everything. I'm like, okay, okay, whoa. The good news is I believe at least for the next couple weeks, our Thursdays look good. Yes. Uh, it, I don't. We don't have anything to do on a Thursday. We don't have any wild and crazy thing happening on Thursday, to right. my knowledge, which is awesome because that means we can actually go live on Thursday like right. we want to do. But before that, we have to get through this episode. We do. And by get through, I mean have fun talking about Because I think it exactly. will be fun to talk about. It will. <clears throat> now, Nick, why don't you tell our lovely audience uh, the acts we are talking of about
1: today. Of course. So we are kicking things off with Of A Revolution, better known by the acronym OAR. We are moving right along to Woody Guthrie. And we are finishing things out with Everlast. Yeah, there we go. And that is what we're doing.
0: That is what we are doing. Now, I'm gonna take us in. I'm gonna, we're just gonna we're just gonna hop a doodle right in to what we're doing here. Now, first thing <clears throat> first thing, absolutely first, OAR. Which I'll tell you, I was not fully aware stood for of a revolution.
1: Yeah, I didn't I knew who OAR was. I just had no idea. I've never heard it as the actual Acronym said out loud all the way through.
0: Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy to to hear that, but not a problem. No, uh, no, so we didn't dock of... any
1: points for it or anything.
0: <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> no, uh, of a revolution, OAR is an American rock band founded in 1996 in Rockville, Maryland. So the band has uh, four members: Mark Roberge, uh, Chris Kulos, Richard On, and Ben Gershman. Mm -hmm. And we covered three albums, as we do. We started with 1997's The Wanderer. We followed that up with 2008's All Sides. And then we closed it out with 2022's The Arcade. Yes. Now, Nick, why don't you start us off...
1: I would love to. by,
0: ...by chatting with us about The Wanderer.
1: I would, but the first thing I want to address is the fact that they're from a place called Rockville. And have you... I mean... I would hope that we're on the same page with this, but in our youth, in the late 1990s, there was a made-for-TV film by some of the greatest actors and children shows of all time, Keenan Thompson and Kel Mitchell, <laughs> called Two Heads Are Better Than None. Yes. My favorite made-for-TV Halloween movie of all time. And the place where <laughs> they can't go because the headless knight lives there and is gonna kill everyone is called Rockville. And that is all I can associate them with. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> hilarious so honestly that starts them off on a fantastic footing um because absolutely you know,
0: hilarious that that is the first thing that that's came all i can head. think of yes amazing
1: but then we move on to the to the album the wanderer uh and let's say this oar known for being kind of a, a jam band more on the uh jam band scene uh than anywhere else really that's that's kind of their fan base college campuses and stuff in the late 90s was where they really uh cut their teeth uh and for a jam band boy is this kind of sloppy sounding um it felt like while it was certainly pleasant enough to listen to it felt really immature it felt like very unsure of itself um it felt like you know, the, no one individually was really strong enough for their leads to stay interesting for like seven or eight minutes. Um, everything about it was like, yeah, we'd like to be a jam band, but we haven't like fully figured anything out about ourselves at all yet. Um, and the band was still in high school during this time. So that makes perfect sense. Like it it sounds like a bunch of kids who are like, we, we like jamming together, um, yeah. but we don't really know how to write songs yet. And as like a pretty diehard fishhead, this this does not compare favorably uh, to other jam bands who know what they're doing.
0: Okay. <clears throat> yeah, listen. <laughs> I get where you're coming from. I agree mostly with what you're saying. Um some fun facts this this album was uh was very interesting in the fact that the album art was created by. A guy named Jed Tamarkin. Jed. Tamarkin, I'm not sure. Who knows? And basically, he was like, they asked him to come up with an album cover, like make a logo for their name and everything. And Jed was the one who was like, of a revolution is way too long. Okay. So I'm going to just shorten it to OAR and make a logo about OAR, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, the much more popular name of this band. Correct. I don't I don't hear many people refer to them as of a revolution. I've never heard that. Right. <laughs> that's I I am almost positive that's something that somebody who's a fan of this band will Oh, let me check out their Wikipedia see what's up. Be like, "What? Uh, of a revolution?" That makes But hey, it is it is very interesting. And as for the actual album, the music itself, I I agree with you. It's a little sloppy, it's a little unsure. They definitely have a propensity to not know how to end a song is what it feels like to uh-huh. me because a lot of these songs are like seven eight minutes you know like five minutes and it's like uh, okay are we oh we're still going oh sure okay yeah. oh no hey that's fine we'll just keep going okay we're just continuing on like they just aren't sure when or when or when or how the song is supposed to end and it's not bad uh Mark. Uh, definitely has not come into him, come into his own as a singer yet. Yeah, I either uh, he's just a little young for it. But hey, that happens. Uh, they're very young. It's it's definitely an album full of youth. Yeah, uh, and full of them trying to find their sound. Uh, so moving on to all sides. Now we are eleven years in the future. Right. Uh, this is a group who is now just adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and That's all I they think are. you get I think you get a much more consistent sound. Mm-hmm. You get uh definitely a higher production value. So yes. let's, you know, let's be clear on that. Um and you're also getting more of them knowing who they are, knowing how to end songs, knowing the message a song is supposed to have, uh Mark Roberts is uh, usually, at least, if not the main writer, the first writer on a lot of this, mm-hmm. uh, followed by I would say um, own as yeah. the second one. So they they write a lot of the stuff, uh, but they all contribute. So like Matt Wallace and uh, Greg Wattenberg and all, a, b- a bunch yeah. of a bunch of contributing writers as well. This album does contain what I would call their hit. Right, uh, their big hit is shattered. Turn the car around, which
1: I didn't know, but I knew a, a song on the first album. I knew that was a crazy game of poker from the first record.
0: Fascinating to mm-hmm. fascinating to me because this uh, this band is spoiler alert a one hit wonder, and it's that's the song. Shattered is the song, so <laughs> it was very interesting that you didn't know. It. I remember we were at a gig, um, not too early ago, August. Yeah. Yeah, very recently, and somebody came up and requested O.A.R., and I was like, oh, I mean, I know the O.A.R. song. And I course. said, I
1: know the O.A.R. song, too, and it was they were totally different songs. Yeah, he had no idea what Shattered was. I was, I was like, like, I know Ooh. that's three chords. I could do that.
0: Yeah, and I was like, that's not a real song. You're making that up. You're, you're making that up. O.A.R. has released a single song, and it was Shattered. Um, but honestly, listening to the rest of the stuff, it's good. It's not great. To me, it's good. There is something very interesting that happens with Mark Roberge's voice where it sounds really good on Shattered, and the rest of the time, it almost sounds like it's out of place. Hmm. Like, I, I think that Shattered has a little bit more of like an alt rock pop sound, sure, where it's very like there's like piano in it, it's very atmospheric, and I think that that. Sounds a little better because sometimes they tend to get a little more rock oriented or a little too pop oriented, and it's like out a little out of place. Like he has a very niche vocal, yeah, where it sounds its best, and I think right. maybe that's part of the reason the song "Shatter" took off the way it did, because it does a really good job of showcasing the best parts of his voice.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you exactly what you're hearing. I think it's because you know who plays keyboards on that is Jamie Mahoberick, who. We have talked about like a bazillion times on this podcast because, um, I mean, he has played keyboards on records for every single person ever, from the All-American Rejects to Fleetwood Mac and the Rolling Stones to Chris Cornell to the Backstreet Boys to John Mayer to My Chemical Romance. Like, Jamie Uh is is like one of the most prolific session keyboard players in like rock music ever.
0: So that's probably just what elevated it.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. So anyway, my take is very similar to yours. I won't get be too long, but like the the critical reviews uh were all bad um yeah. for what I think is clearly a better album than their first album where oh, they absolutely. actually have direction, where it actually seems like everything is done intentionally. Uh everything is a lot much more mature. Uh and I think it it makes for their best work. Uh which brings me to the Arcade Uh, And the first thing I wrote was, well, it's definitely a big change. Uh, (laughs) And it like starts out like the very first (coughs) song is very like pop reggae, sort of like in the vein of a band like Magic. Yeah. Uh, And I did emphasize that for the exclamation point. You better. Um, But a lot of this album is just really bad. It just sounds like the kind of trendy pop sounds that like, late train and imagine dragons were writing like it just sounds like they were like oh whatever whatever those guys are doing they're popular let's just throw those sounds on an oar album uh and i also had to like this is also by far the best the vocals have sounded and i'm like like, how much studio production is going into those vocals like did he really just improve tremendously over the course of like 25 years to become a much stronger vocalist or are they just putting so much studio magic into that um as to make it sound a lot better and then my only last track will be like the one thing i want to mention is the song nightlight which was for some reason they're like you know what this album is missing what about like a song that would have been a club hit in 2010 let's throw that on there and I I don't I don't know what else to say. It was not a pleasant experience.
0: Uh, yeah. So talk about letting the wind out of your sails a little bit with this <laughs> one. They had they had really taken a huge leap forward uh, between the Wanderer and All Sides.
1: And then they took uh, a Chairman Mao great leap forward on this <laughs> on this record.
0: Just. <laughs>
1: millions perished as a result of the arcade
0: <laughs> it was it was tough uh it was a very jump to the shark moment for me mm-hmm. that's what really came across was like oh you you were writing for yourselves and now it fully feels like you're no longer writing for yourselves
1: yeah give me the first album over this anytime
0: yeah like that for sure like anytime that you as an artist are no longer writing for yourself. You're not writing. You're for writing for someone else, and I don't mean like a ghostwriter. That's not what yeah. I'm saying. Because a ghostwriter, even though they're writing for someone else to perform, is writing on a personal level, and that's right. what if- makes a good ghostwriter. That's why when you when you hear a song, uh, like I know when I heard uh, "Love Yourself" by Justin Bieber, I was like, oh, that sounds like an Ed Sheeran song. Sure enough, Ed Sheeran ghost wrote that song. Yeah. Like that, ha- that's what happens. Like mm-hmm. you could hear the the influence of a writer, and if especially if it's your own work, like it should come from you personally. You should be writing directly from from your point of view. It doesn't always have to be your experience. Right. Like I've heard really, really beautiful songs about somebody writing about like a world event, or somebody writing about like a state of mind or a cultural phenomenon that they it's not like a personal experience like oh sheila dumped me here's my song mm-hmm. but like it's it's their sheila. thought process on how they're seeing that and i feel like once you lose that and you're just kind of writing for the medium yeah well that's what you've it is. If, lost you, if you
1: write to please everyone you please no one
0: exactly you've lost all credibility for me at that point a real letdown let's grade them
1: agreed I'm willing to give them a one point for Colton Pack because that is sort of what you brought up. about. Yeah, one they're hit.
0: one hit Wonder. It's shattered. Um, I know they have a little bit of like underlying buzz in like, you know, 90s college campuses.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: But 90s college campuses no longer exist. But you know what? Um, a lot of, great, lot of great films. Yeah, of course. But.
1: So what does that count for?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't give them any more. I don't think I can give them more than a one.
1: Okay, one it is. I think
0: I think a one is where we're sure. at.
1: Sure. They have 10 studio albums. They have okay. no sales to help them here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm going to knock them down from about a five and a half where they would start to about a five for no sales. And then, I'm going to be honest, based on the music I heard, I'm going to try to be kind. I'm going to take 0.1 away from them. I'm going to take them to a 4.9.
0: Sure. And I will take a full point, 2 points away to take them to a 4.7. And I think that's fair. Uh because it like as much as I enjoyed the second album, even that I was I was if anything a little tepid. Yeah. And the first album, I understand why it wasn't great cuz they were so young. And sure. the last album was I don't understand why it was bad. Mhm. Like it shouldn't yeah. have it didn't need to be bad. Yeah.
1: Um, and instrumental talent. Again, I'm gonna be honest with you. Look, we've done a few jam bands on the podcast. I listen to a lot of really great ones. This does not stand up instrumentally. Sure. Uh it, it is just like jam yeah. bands. Here's the if you want to be a great band and a jam band, then you better have great musicians that can be entertaining in what they do and interesting in what they do for extended yeah. solos, and if you don't have people honestly you should have multiple people who are able to do that i think fish works so well because not only is trey anastasio an amazing guitarist and he can take over any song and be interesting to listen to for several minutes so sure. can page mcconnell on the keyboards and that's i mean the other guys are also fantastic but you're mostly going to get piano and guitars lead instruments and both of them are outstanding musicians Yeah, This does not occur here. There was no one who held my interest. And then the further they got away from the jam sound, the more plain sounding everything else became to me. And then by the end, it was just like, phoned in.
0: Yes, um, I definitely agree with you. I think Mark Roberge has a good voice. Again, I think maybe it's just a voice that didn't always fit the genre they were trying Mm -hmm. to to convey, sure. I think that they, I think it was literally like a sliding scale that for one song for shattered was like, boom, great voice, Mm -hmm. great locked in vocal for the genre. And then it's just never quite found that again. Right. And the album where they had
1: the opportunity to show off most of their chops was when they were in high school. So like they didn't quite have them yet. And I'm sure by the time that they were really, really strong, they just like stopped trying to show it off. I'm sure, you yeah. know, 11 and then 20 years later, they were, they must be very good at their instruments. Yeah. But I'm willing to give I'm them gonna, four points.
0: i <clears throat> oh, sorry, one more time.
1: I'm willing to give them four points.
0: I would be a little higher. I mean, not, not crazy high, maybe like a four, one or four, two. Sure. Not quite. Cause once you get down to the four and lower, you're like actively, there's badness. Okay. I think this is just like, it's clearly a below average, especially for a jam band. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, you're bad at what you're doing. No, no,
1: I I don't think that. Four uh, one is fine. I'll give them the, the little yeah. boost there. Songwriting. I, I'm also to be honest here. I'm not impressed. I felt like it. They that was yeah. the weakest part of the first album. It was definitely sure better. <laughs> like uh, I, said, I don't they did the second yeah. songs. Right. The second album, I don't know how much of it was really good versus how much of it was just better than what we heard before and after it. But the first album is is a net loss, and the, the last album is a bigger net loss for me. I'm, again, below the average here. I might even be in, like, the higher three range.
0: Yes, and I am lower on that as well uh, for the same reason. They didn't know how to end their songs when they ended them. Yeah. Um, I think that they struck gold once. But unlike a lot of other one hit wonders where I felt like you know, we've done a lot of one hit wonders on the show where I'm like, I don't get why the rest of their stuff wasn't hits. Yep. It makes no sense to me. Like yep. they're really good. This one I'm like, no, I really think they struck gold there. Yep. And yeah, I'm fine giving them like a three eight, three seven.
1: I already typed in three seven, so that's where we are yeah, at.
0: That's fine with me.
1: Uh, what did you think of the poetic talent here?
0: So poetic talent I thought was a little better on the second album. The first mm-hmm. album, again, it it was a little unsure of itself. Uh, they're young. They're writing to jam. Uh, it all just seemed a little bit immature, which it was. I mean, they're young. Yeah. And then the last album, again, just felt super phoned in. Mm-hmm. So even taking both of them away, all sides, I think there's good messages and I think there's some good lyric, mm-hmm. and I don't think they always overlap, except for, I'm going to say it again, Shattered. A great message and a really good lyric, a good kind of a uh, uh, story lyric, mm-hmm. you know, of a guy who's just like, literally how many times can I break till I shatter? A whole thing like that. Like, you know, it's a good message of like, I'm just taking hit after hit after hit, and eventually it's just going to be too many hits. So that was a really relatable moment. I think the rest of that album was by far the strongest writing we heard right. from OAR, and I enjoyed it. So I'm going to definitely give them a little bit of points for that. However, sure. the other two did not impress me in any way, So and uh, for that reason, I'm probably... Realistically, if I give them the benefit of the doubt and assume the other seven albums are somewhere in the middle, you know, no, even though two out of three were lower than I would like, yeah. if I give them the best benefit of the doubt and say the other seven albums are all in the middle between all sides and the rest of them, the best I could give them is like a four. A
1: four, it is. Uh, is there an X factor here that I'm not
0: necessarily aware of? Uh,. I don't think so. I mean... Very good. No, I, it's, no, not at all.
1: Then it's time for us to move on to Woody Guthrie.
0: Woodrow Wilson Guthrie, also known as Woody Guthrie, was an American singer-songwriter and, according to Wikipedia, one of the most significant figures in American folk music. Yes. And now we, after a little bit of back and forth here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we decided that our best option for experiencing the most of Woody Guthrie was to listen to his centennial collection Woody at a hundred, the Woody Guthrie Centennial Collection, which was about a little over two hours of pure music right which we felt was a better representation from an artist because when artists are from the 30s 40s, yeah they're Album work is not necessarily as consistent as an artist from the 60s plus. Exactly. So that's what we did. We listened to the Centennial Collection, Woody at 100, and, you know, get off our backs about it.
1: Yeah, no, it was, it was the right move to actually try to cover his career the way we've done with other artists. So Yeah, we
0: wanted to cover the most we could. And it was definitely a huge swing of his music. You could yeah. hear the entire 20 years 37 to 51 is when it was recorded. Like, you could hear from beginning to end what was recorded yep. in the 30s, what was recorded beyond that, because I'll give you a hint. 1937, the recording quality
1: was at its peak ever. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, was rough. Um, It's crazy how technology has advanced since then. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that, like, I'm sitting here right now with, you know, stuff I bought rather inexpensively creating a sound that like people in the 30s who are professional technicians could never touch yeah it's and it's not their how, fault
1: no <laughs> of course not it's funny the full circle of it though because we've mentioned this before like so you go back far enough and the recording quality is such a detriment to the quality of the material and how it would have sounded live yeah and then you get to to more the last decade or so And you have basically the opposite problem where a lot of artists, especially a lot of older artists who are recording in modern times, almost just sound computerized and inorganic because of like how overly perfect the technology has become. So it's weird, like trying to find that happy medium where everything is still produced perfectly down to a T, but you're still leaving like the humanness of it.
0: Yeah, like has technology gone too far. Mm-hmm. I get it. I definitely get it. I think there's definitely a middle ground yeah. or maybe like a three quarters ground, but sure. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we definitely got to experience the one end of the spectrum with Woody Guthrie. Yeah. So uh we'll start with Woody at hundred. Um I will I'll take us in basically. Yeah. Yeah. There is two ways to experience this, I would say. There is the pure musicality of it all now that's not the best let's be clear I mean nobody's gonna sit here and say Woody Guthrie a true amazing vocalist sure right or a true you know game changer guitar player I don't think that's the case a lot of Woody Guthrie is simple blues simple folk and it's it's good for what it is uh, but it's not blowing your socks off. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the Woody Guthrie experience is messages, meanings, a true folk artist. Yes. You know, uh, Um, I don't think in terms of the music, you're going to really enjoy a lot of it because it is such a different time.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's almost a 100 years at this point.
0: Yeah. Music has evolved so ridiculously past this that going back to this is is such a wild experiment, almost. Uh, there are some really interesting moments on this three-album set. Uh, so there's, like, uh, This Land is Your Land is the opening track, right. which is, you know, an old staple, old reliable Absolutely. staple. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's, like, the Grand Coulee Dam... Uh, Philadelphia lawyer. Really like nice harmony on stories. that track. Oh yeah, um, the, I do love that the the opening track is an alternate version of this land is your land, so it's just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, right around, I think it was track. Tw- let me look it up. Yeah, it was track twenty twenty uh, that he does the actual this land is your land, the the one that we all know and love. Yeah, here's the here's what I'll say about what he got three, and I, I I think that he does. A lot of things, he checks a lot of folk boxes almost as well, as well as I want him to. Yeah. Like, he he does the playing and the singing almost as well as I'd want him to. Even for folk artists where I know it's not, like, the pinnacle, mm-hmm. I would just want a little bit more. And maybe some of that's the recording quality. I think But some think of that's so. just kind of like it's not, like, even somebody like a Phil Oaks who, you know, we know Phil Oaks isn't going to go win the voice if he competed, no. Like, he, but he had a good, like, a pleasant listening, a pleasant-sounding mm-hmm. voice, and he could play the guitar really well. Like, I think there's a lot of this that's just a little too simplified for me. Yeah. Now, message-wise, really good messaging, like, talking about some real issues, talking about some, you know. He was definitely, like, one of those hard-hitting, politicized folk artists uh-huh <laughs> um musically i wasn't picking up on it almost as strongly as i would wanted to for what i knew about woody guthrie going in like i knew that about yeah. woody guthrie going in that he was like a staunch activist oh yeah in his music and i guess listening and outside to the of it. music yeah oh definitely outside of it but i'm saying in his music as well as outside mm-hmm. of it and i think that i wasn't hearing it as much as I thought I would. I mean, honestly, talk about inside and outside of it. His Wikipedia picture is him holding a guitar that says, This machine kills fascists. I was
1: going to say, that's like the most, I would argue that's like one of the most famous guitars and definitely the most sure. famous like message on a guitar or sticker or like, you know, like decoration on a guitar maybe ever. Sure. And I would, and a lot of people have copied it. I would agree it. with you. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll, I'll jump in. But yeah, if that's, you're, that's what I've yeah. got.
0: Really good, mm-hmm. really strong almost not as strong as I expected from kind of the legend that is Woody. Yeah.
1: And I think part of that is to take into account, like what kinds of things can you say and like still have people produce your records at certain times. That's, you know, that's definitely a thing, but, uh, you know, you have talked a lot about what kind of holds this back as the, the pure listening experience. I think like the, uh, the historical and sociological experience of it is still very strong. Um, and really interesting. And I do think Woody... I mean, like, there there are very rarely times on this record where he's also just, like, plainly strumming the guitar, too. So I want to make that yes. clear. Like, he does do a lot of finger-style picking. There are, like, moving little bass lines between his chords that he is playing. So he's not crazy simple. It's not like the man can't play guitar. He could definitely play guitar well. Um, and and what sticks out to me is is exactly what you said. I mean, he, I think, nails this idea of or this concept of the everyman as the writer like woody is you and me woody's is your neighbor woody's the guy down the street he's the guy who's working at the factory just trying to make ends meet and who's having a hard time who's you know like he's trying to to speak for everybody and i think he fills that role really well i think um you know over and over again these songs are really nailing down concepts related to labor um and and so thankful that we had him singing about that stuff so that we're really like past all of those labor issues here in 2022 <laughs> and you know there's there's no need to worry about these issues like none of it resonates anymore at all um not sarcastic uh, even a little bit uh, uh <laughs> yeah uh, no i mean like literally i'm hearing all these songs i'm like oh yeah this is still relevant this is totally uh, so. like I mean. these these messages still ring true over and over and over again um and now that- that's I think his testing legacy. Uh, and I don't think there's really much more I need to say.
0: Uh, yeah I mean I will, into- I will say when I listened to this <clears throat> and I forgot I forgot that I had wrote it down and so I, I want to just say real quick when I listened to it, all of what I said was ringing really true. And I think when I went back and I started reading some of his like discography and things like that like a little more in depth, I feel like some of what I, my issue was was maybe the problem of the the collection itself. Mm-hmm. Because I think maybe they didn't do as great of a job Because like, they mixed in like, you know, some A lot some of apolitical stuff. Yeah. But like there is some stuff, like the sinking of the Reuben James, mm-hmm. uh there's nineteen thirteen Massacre, Worried Man Blues, Ludlow Massacre, right. Do Re Me, which is about the Dust Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like, he does, he does do a really good job of, of writing those songs. So, like, totally. I want to be clear. I wasn't saying, like, well, he didn't really do it. Like, he did nope, he it. Did. I wanted more of it. And I think yeah. that might be more the fault of the a the people who put together to get, this collection.
1: Right, every aspect of his career as opposed to right. just like that.
0: Yeah. All right. You know, the part that he's most famous for.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, let's kick grading i'll just yeah i'll just list out his accomplishments i suppose um one probably the most influential folk singer of all time two he's got like several different recordings that have all been preserved by the library of congress uh he has his own foundation museum there is a woody guthrie folk festival that occurs each year that is named after him he was inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in 1988 in 2000, he received a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, uh, and he also is, of course, one of those artists who has received an honorary stamp from the United States Postal Service. I think that kind of sums it up. I'm sure I could go on and find more things to list uh, about Oh, yeah, I question, mean, but... Dust Bowl
0: Ballads was recorded on Mojo Magazine's list of 100 records that changed the world.
1: Yeah, of course, uh-huh. and it did. So, I mean, the question is, where does that get him uh, I think well, I as mean, a folk artist, like. it's hard to get near the top because, like, unless you're Bob Dylan. But it's hard to take a guy with his impact in and out of the recording studio, on and off the stage, uh, and take it lightly. Like, there there are a lot of points to be had here in cultural impact for an artist like Guthrie.
0: You, you mentioned Bob Dylan. So let me just give you a list of songwriters who have credited Guthrie as sure. a major mm-hmm. influence on yes. their work. Bob Dylan, number one. Phil Oaks, who we lauded and loved. Johnny Cash. Yep. Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. Henry Chapin. Pete Seeger. John Mellencamp. The list goes on and on mm-hmm. and on. I'm not going to, Jeff Tweedy. I'm not going to go on forever, but a huge number of like big name artists oh, yeah. and musicians have credited Woody Guthrie. As being a primary influence for them, a hundred percent. So that is impact. If I've ever seen impact,
1: I I totally agree. Yeah, I'm a now, high number here.
0: I'm a high number too. I'm I'm probably not like I'm probably not above where like I'm not in the stratosphere. Let's be mm-hmm. let's be honest, because that to me is one basket. Mm-hmm. Like the the actual like. <clears throat> the musical accomplishments, the influences—that's a basket. And then the other basket is like, if I ask a thousand people in the in the, in the walking up and down the, the streets of a major city, mm-hmm. hey, have you ever heard of Woody Guthrie? Sing me sure. a Woody Guthrie song.
1: Every single one of them could sing you back. This land is your land, though I bet. Yes, but
0: what they know it's a Woody Guthrie song. What they know Woody Guthrie. Maybe not. So like, there's a little bit yeah. less in that bucket. Yeah, I do think there are people who would know the name hmm oh yeah it's especially the further point. south i go yeah look
1: I, um, i'm just gonna say this i don't i think it would be criminal to rate him any lower than like eight. Oh, i, wasn't I think looking it would be to totally criminal. okay
0: uh I, my number that i think woody guthrie has earned is an 8.5
1: and i will happily give it to him uh, and we can move right along to breadth of work we briefly discussed it beforehand there are just so many recordings and things like it where it's a little bit difficult to tell for our format um exactly in, in terms of albums because of when it was recorded but we're gonna place him in the 20 to 30 category uh which starts him at a four, as long as yeah you, you're still in agreement to that
0: yeah no i'm i'm agreeing with you
1: and then the other thing is like it's very very difficult to to fully gauge um and, and find out what the album sales are for an artist like this that it, that's this old like it um you know, I don't know what you've been able to find, but I certainly struggle to find what the numbers would be.
0: Yes, I wasn't really able to find much of that.
1: Yes, yeah. so for that reason, I would certainly be hesitant to knock him. Like, I don't know oh, if no, I'd be willing no. to take points away there, but I'm not sure how much we could we could give him for that. I think we might have to just be working from 6.4. Um, yeah, because I'm we just okay don't with, have I'm okay full with information. Um, and, and you know. Obviously, like, you know, this is not the kind of thing that I'm going to listen to in my free time. It was really much more of a a really interesting and, and cool experience to to get it. But I still think that for quality, just considering the time frame uh, when he was doing this in the world, I, I think he deserves to get a little bump. So I'm going to go ahead and give him to a point two um, okay. on my end. Uh,
0: Cool. And I will give him a point one uh, for a similar reason. I think he deserves a little bit of a bump. I, uh, again, it's not something that I'm going to stick around with, although I will probably add a few of the more politically charged ones sure. to my folk set list, Yeah, my mm-hmm. folk playlist that will that uh, has housed some previous podcast people, such as folks. Right. Yeah. Totally fair. Um, yeah.
1: And then I think, honestly, his weakest score is here in Instrumental Town, even though it's not necessarily bad, but it's going to be below average for our purposes for what we do here on the show. Um, it just has to work that way. I don't know what you think. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I mean it. it it's kind of just the way of the world. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I'm,
1: I'm not really going to go low because I don't <clears> think he's a bad singer and I don't think he's a bad guitar player, um, at all. But I would be having a hard time going much higher than like in the fours, maybe on the lower end.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm agreeing with you. What number? What number are you thinking specifically? How about
1: like a four point two?
0: Yeah, that sounds right. I was thinking a four two yeah. myself.
1: Now. Songwriting, I think we're kind of jumping back in the right direction. Uh, sure. Rolling Stone did rank him as the 28th greatest songwriter of all time, um, and that kind now, of
0: respect. to be to be fair, I think when a when a when like a, something like a Rolling Stone talks about songwriting, they're talking about our next two categories combined. Combined, correct? Which we split them up. So songwriting yes. is the is the music. And mm-hmm. then the poetic is the, is the lyrics.
1: Right. So I, I still, which I think, right. I think
0: the lyrics are what catapults yes, him.
1: Correct. And I think that will be where we go much higher than what we're about to do. But I think to some extent we, we are rating on a curve based on, you know, writing a song in the thirties versus writing a song in the seventies or the nineties or the 2010s. Um, sure. so I still, th- I, I, you just can't take an artist like this who meant so much, to what would happen in music after with the songs that they were writing and grade them below average. Like, it just must be an above average score to me. Uh, Because the songs are good. The songs have strong messages. The strongs were so meaningful to so many people and to so many things that happened in the world afterwards that I can't go under a five.
0: Okay. uh, And I would be fine with a five.
1: And that would be great.
0: Yeah, like, I think that... It's of a different time, and I think for the time period, it's 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 good stuff. I mean, it's it's what it, yeah. it's what it is, mm-hmm. and there's some good songwriting. I mean, this land is your land has become like a, a staple right. of music. So, he and he did incorporate
1: like other singers and put putting harmonies into his songs and stuff like that. So, if you yeah. were getting the impression that it was only ever him and an acoustic guitar, that's not necessarily the case. While that was no. the case a lot of the time, it wasn't always. Sure. Uh, but then I think he has to have a very high score. Um, for, yeah, for a very good I mean, songwriter, like, as yeah. always.
0: I, I, again, I think I personally think that until we get to somebody, and we'll see, I think we hit the pinnacle of folk writing with Phil Oaks. With Phil Oaks, I agree. He got a 10. I don't think Woody Guthrie's quite up there. No, but he has to be I scoring think very highly. He should definitely be scoring very highly. This is the category that folk singers typically excel at. Correct. And be, it's because they have in their just genre of music, the ability to just write pure statements mm-hmm. and make pure statements. Yeah. And I think uh, Woody Guthrie does a very good job of that. Uh, I would I would be willing to give him probably a 9.3.
1: I think that's excellent. And I think we also have X Factor to consider here. I think we'd be crazy if we didn't. Um, sure. All that stuff we said. I mean, he's one of the... Now... The founders of do. what the modern folk sound, the lifetime achievement stuff, the uh, you know the the folk festival that takes place every year after his name, mm-hmm. and then I have one other thing, and then I'll let you get to what you were going to say. Um, but what's really interesting is that his museum foundation also includes like a ton of lyrics that he had written but never got around to recording in his lifetime, and so his daughter had been like essentially giving permissions to other like politically driven artists um who you know loved woody to start recording albums with those lyrics of of woody's unreleased songs so some of the artists who have been involved in that include uh wilco billy bragg and i believe coming out soon or having just come out uh the dropkick
0: murphys Mm, okay yeah very interesting I would be down to, to give him some some X-Factor points. Um, my stuff is not going to be related to X-Factor, so let's. I would say we give him probably two points. Let's do it. That's what feels good. Now, right. we waxed poetic a lot about Woody Guthrie. Of course. And I want to be a little real here. Please. Uh, Because Woody Guthrie, while uh, somebody who definitely had strong messages, uh, strong messages that I think you and I would agree with in his songs a lot of the time, yeah. was not a perfect person. Of course. So there's some stuff here. Uh, we'll start with his personal life. So Guthrie was married three times and fathered eight children. So his first wife, he was married at 19 and got divorced 10 years later, had three kids, and just left her to go look for work because of the Dust Bowl. Just, like, up and left. So that's rough. Now, what's interesting is two of his children, all three of his children from that marriage— Uh, have passed away, and they all passed away rather young. So uh, the first two, Gwen and Sue, they both uh, inherited Huntington's from him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And died both at age 41. And then Bill, the, the third child, actually died before them in 1962 at age 23 in a train accident. Yeah. So then he was married again in 1945, so two years later. So he got divorced in 43, married in 45, had four children with, uh, with Marjorie, and Kathy Ann, their first child, died in an electrical fire uh, oh, when she was four, which is How just horrific. terrible. It's just terrible, terrible. Uh, the next child is Arlo Guthrie, who I'm we sure we'll eventually must,
1: cover. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, so yeah, Arlo Guthrie is a singer-songwriter, in his own right, a folk singer, followed in his father's footsteps. Uh, but the one that I really so the other th- the other two Jody and Nora are both still living in- from that marriage as well. In 1953, so he got divorced in 53 and remarried in 53, and they had one child, Lorena, who was estranged from her parents because they put her up for adoption, and she died as a teenager in a car crash in 1973. Oh so like literally his eighth kid, he's like oh, adopt, put her up for adoption. That's rough. I mean, that's rough.
1: Yeah, so that is really rough. Just
0: some rough personal life stuff. Also, there was definitely some issues with him being like a staunch supporter of Stalin. Yeah, like that's Stalinism. an issue. That's a big issue. Uh, yeah. So, like, I know, like around that time, like Pete Seeger was a Stalinist as well. Pete Seeger later on in his life, like, regretted Reforms it and like kind of was yeah. like, you know what, I was a mistake. It was a mistake. We yeah, kind of swept a mistake. up in it. And Woody Guthrie never apologized for it at all. Was like, nah, he, like really like Stalin, great guy. Yeah, now. So just, I wanted to be clear that like nobody's perfect, and even though there are parts of Woody Guthrie that you know we may agree with on like a certain level, there's definitely also things about him as a human being that like aren't aren't on that same level to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say, and this is maybe a controversial take. I think that you can be strongly pro labor but also not in favor of dictators murdering tens of millions of people. I think I mean, there's some I'm I'm so sorry if that's controversial, but I think that you can find a, a happy
0: medium. Well, I would be inclined to agree with you. So, uh, but I just wanted to yeah. to say all those
1: things. Good. Let's move on to Everlast.
0: Eric Francis Schrody, known by his stage name Everlast, is, and this is real, an American musician, singer, rapper, and songwriter who was the frontman for the hip-hop group House House of of Pain. Pain. So, a lot to unpack immediately. Of course. Because I'm assuming when most people think of Everlast, they don't necessarily think of that. Yeah. So I'll just,
1: before we even like say the album's we'll listen anything. So the reason he's on the schedule is I knew that Everlast was one of the members of House of Pain. And then I also know the song, What It's Like, because that is the giant Everlast hit. <clears throat> and yeah. so I was just like, okay, so he did some hip hop stuff. And then he kind of went off on the rest of his career and dabbled in other types of music. So he must have a bunch more songs like What It's Like. And we shall discuss. Continue.
0: Right. So we covered three albums by Everlast. We started with Forever Everlasting from 1990. We followed that up with Whitey Ford Sings the Blues from 1998. And then we wrapped things up with Whitey Ford's House of Pain from 2018. I would like to be clear Whitey Ford makes an appearance in multiple album covers. Or multiple album titles. So there's Whitey Ford Sings the Blues and Whitey Ford's House of Pain that we covered. Uh, some we didn't cover are Eat at Whitey's and White Trash Beautiful, which is maybe not, but close enough. And then Love, War, and The Ghost of Whitey Ford, which means in 2008, Whitey Ford is now a ghost. But in 2018, we're entering his house of pain.
1: Which is, Whitey Ford, the actual like baseball player, the, the Yankees pitcher. He didn't die till 2020. Wow! He was not. Ni- he lived to be 91 years old. Good for him. Right? I wonder what he thought of all this. That's what. That's the opinion <laughs> I really needed to get. Honestly, uh, if we'd only done uh. this in season one, we could have had the real Whitey Ford as a guest.
0: We could have. We could have
1: missed opportunities.
0: Why don't you start talking about Forever Everlasting?
1: Okay. Uh, it was entirely a hip hop album. Um, so I was not expecting that. That was different. That was new. Um, but I carried on and I kind of reviewed it for that. Um, and one thing that I'll say is that you can definitely hear the influence of old school hip hop and his particular vocal approach. Like I hear influence of groups like the Sugar Hill Gang of rappers who had, were on the scene a few years before that, make sure with having success, like Young MC. And I can hear him trying to kind of replicate the delivery style um, or at least hear how that delivery style has kind of impacted him um and his, his approach and then the yeah. uh the only other thing that i really noticed a lot i mean like let's real, i didn't really enjoy the songs i it wasn't for me it's not an <laughs> album that was made for me uh but man does he love to talk about how white he is like he talks about being white like in every song and i understand that in hip-hop in 1990 like that is an area of uniqueness for him. That, that is not something that is generally associated with the genre at this time. Um, but look, I, regardless of circumstances, regardless of context, if at any point any of your lyrics go, I'm white and I'm proud, we have <laughs> a problem that is not going to go well for you, man. <laughs> please, don't yeah. uh, please don't say that. Please don't say that. Uh and the other thing was, you know, it's all well and good for him. I'm glad this is what makes him happy. Uh but once once I hear Jesus like seventeen times in the same song, I gotta skip it, man. I can't I can't do it anymore. Like just move on. And that's where I'm Okay.
0: So Syndicate Soldier comes on. Uh the first track of this album. And I am confused. (laughs) Uh it was quite interesting. Now, I will say a few things. Wasn't expecting it from Everlast because I only really knew his big hit. Right. Did not really know his previous career. I don't look it up before I listen. Mm-hmm. Going into the actual hip-hop, the actual rap part of it. Listen, for for a genre that I'm not in love with, He's got a decent flow to his sure. to his to his rhythm and rhyme. He's got a decent sense of lyric and in some cases. I do think he tends to go a little overboard on certain things Nick has already mentioned uh, a little bit too much over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that when you compare him to the other rappers that are featured on this album, you start to see like, oh, there are definitely people around you that are a little stronger, stronger. So um, I actually recognized his voice. Um, Ice-T is on this album. Correct. Which is very interesting. As soon as he came on, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I had no idea that he was in uh, a group called Rhyme and to get with, with uh, Everlast, as well as Donald D, who's the other rapper from that same track, right. which is The Rhythm. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And I believe, yeah, there's also a Diva as well, uh, it's, it's the singer on that. Right. Now, this is not an album I will ever listen to again. This is just so far off base for what I like to listen to. But, like, we've had bad hip-hop. Like, we had Uncle Cracker's hip-hop career. Oof! It's not that. It's no. This is definitely somebody who, like, really takes... Being a hip hop artist, seriously, and you can tell that yeah. in the music. Uh, and I think for the most part, like it's decent, it's decent sound. It's uh, just not something I will ever listen to again. Moving on to <clears throat> Whitey Ford sings the blues. I'm going to be honest with you. I wanted more blues. <laughs> yeah, where were the blues? Where Whitey were the blues? Ford sings the blues. Uh,. This album was rough for me. You do get what it's like on this album, which, spoiler alert, is clearly the best song on this album.
1: It's the best song he's ever recorded, as an artist. It's the
0: best song he's ever written, recorded, anything. Uh, There is an interesting thing that happens a few times on this album where he thought that blues, rock, and hip-hop... Just purely mash up, which I thought was a bold claim to make. Mm -hmm. Where he would, they would be blues beats and blues sounds, and he would just be purely like a little aggressively rapping over them. And that was weird. Uh, There was a couple songs on here. It was not the, like, what it's like is not the only song that Everlast decided to sing on. Right. Like, there was a couple, and every single one of them was not bad. Like the dude has a decent voice. He can definitely carry a tune. Like he's again, nobody on this episode is going to go win American Idol. Like nobody here is, is purely standalone, a wonderful singer, but he definitely carries a tune. He definitely carries the same rhythm that he's got with the hip hop, with the rapping into the music. And you can tell that he's got a strong sense of rhythm because of that. Um, it's not great, though. I mean, the the genre blending that he's going for here, I respect the effort. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think they fit together mm-hmm. um, because it's not necessarily... Like, I've heard country rap, and I think that goes together in, like, a peanut butter and fluff kind of way. Like, <laughs> it's unexpected, but, like, uh-huh. it happens. This is, like, peanut butter and... Bricks yeah, sure <laughs> it doesn't fit as well as it should fit. yeah., uh, it like the blues aspect of it, it, more maybe more the rock, maybe more the blues rock specifically. Like blues rock requires melody, yeah, because blues rock is a more simplistic sound in terms of sheer chord progression. Like blues chord progression. There, there's not a ton of extracurricular room because it's a progression in and of itself. That's what makes the blues. So you have to have a melody on top of that for it to really express itself. Otherwise, it just kind of sounds like a little bit simpler. Like blues, like the reason the blues has expanded upon into more rock oriented things and it's more just kind of sampled as an influence is because you can take like a blues scale and throw that on something and then throw a bunch of like accidentals into it to really make some interesting music. This didn't happen here. And for that reason, I'm out.
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, So let me just touch on why What It's Like is such a great song. Uh, It's the lyrics. Man, like I've had a lot to complain about with his lyrics uh, so far. What It's Like is an excellent song. Uh, It tells three separate stories. Uh, of three different individuals it's basically like let's put each people uh each person in in kind of the middle of a scenario of what would be something that's kind of a hot button political issue and trying to understand the decisions they make from their perspective and i think that's an excellent approach to to writing a song everything else on this record is mediocre at best uh it's still about 50 percent plus maybe a little bit more hip-hop and skits uh, like he went for the full album experience mixing the skits in like in the 90s that was a popular thing to do um, to have that as a part of the album and so for that good job and creating a full experience um, but there was nothing on here that was really enjoyable to me there's nothing on here that I'll listen to again other than what it's like um, and what really stinks um, because he does try to incorporate more rock-based music here or and, and like Pat said, he can carry a tune. His voice is not bad. Right. But he has no dynamic or vocal range whatsoever. He's got like five notes that he can hit, and they're all the same volume. You know, like it really limits you. Like in the t- tiny little window in which he can sing well, he sings well. But he can't get out of that window. Like there is no way out for him. No. He doesn't have the talent to do it. And I think when we get to Whitey Ford's House of Pain, that critique just like really rings through Um, because, again, like this probably features the most rock sound. I would say like alternative rock factors in the most to his music here on his most recent record. But vocally, he is somehow like a lot of degradation has happened. Again, while it's not like inherently unpleasant, it's not out of tune or anything like that he's just so limited I mean his vocals are remarkably limited to such a tiny little window and within that window again he's not really displaying any dynamic like he's not doing anything with it other than like yeah I can sing in here and this is the spot and these are the only notes that I can sing and here they are and then you're not gonna get any more than this and it's really really hard to have great melodies when that's all you're capable of. Like you just can't pull people in with melodies if you can't be creative with them and his natural limitations like prevent these songs from being particularly good. Um, so, I mean, it's just not what I would choose to listen to. I don't, I don't think he's a bad artist. I don't think this is a terrible album or anything. Um, but it is just so limited and it's just not what I would ever want to revisit.
0: Okay. Uh listen, I get where you're coming from. Uh so, <clears throat> this album House of Pain, uh I think showcases perhaps a little more than Everlast would like. Uh and for me what it what it emanated for me was maybe he's past the game. Yeah. Uh because this album features a couple other artists. Uh Slug was was one of them. It features a Slug from Atmosphere. Good old slug. Uh, but particularly the one that really showcased it to me was Allo Black Aloe is Black. featured on this album. Aloe Black is really good. Mm-hmm. Like Aloe Black is strong. And I think uh so he's featured on Slow Your Roll, which is track six. And I just think that maybe Everlast you can kind of hear that he's not quite as on it. As he was previously, yeah. and for this to succeed, you gotta be right on it mm-hmm. because it's it's not it's not as diverse as you would want it to be because it make like the the genres that he has chosen to mix into his signature sound, and he has created a signature sound, but they're just not very interesting mixed together because you can only mix them together at their most base you cannot get super intricate with blues while you're covering it with hip hop and not giving it more melody. You can't right. you can't really pull rock or country into there as well because you're just basically you have to take like the smallest slivers of each piece of those pies to create this whereas maybe mixing maybe mixing country with rock Purely not incorporating blues, and then throwing hip hop over it, but you have the you know more of like the country twang mixed with like the rock electric instruments, and then you're rapping over that maybe, or maybe you're taking blues but just purely mixing in rock because country blues let everybody does that, but rock you're and then you're you're taking those and making really intricate like a blues scale but with some in, with some accidentals in there that really catch your ear and you're like, oh, what's happening? And then you're rapping over that. Maybe that would be better. But what's happening here is just, just the, the medium of each of those, like the smallest bit of each of those genres thrown together to form this pie. It's like he worked really, really hard to make vanilla, but vanilla exists.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like it's like he sat in a lab and was like, "If I combine a little bit of this tree oil and a little bit of this fruit and a little bit of this, I've created vanilla." Right, and it's like, okay, I respect Great. what you did, Thank but you. like, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. Nick is right; the vocal degradation is real, especially for a guy who had a limited range to begin with. Mm-hmm. It's also a little rough, uh, and again, you have you have people that are just very strong, like Aloe Black on this album. Um, yeah. can't say I loved Slug, mm. but I really liked mm. Black. Um, I already liked Aloe Black going into this. He was a welcome refresher. By the time I got to track five, uh, it was a little rough. Yeah. So track six really helped me. Mm. <laughs> uh, and let's grade him. Let's, that's yep. about it. Let's grade him.
1: All right. How many points do you give him for cultural impact? Well,
0: what? he gets the one for what it's like. Okay. I do think maybe on the hip hop scene... He would we be give him a little, a little over more, yeah. that. A little bit more like right. being in House of Pain, working with the people that he's worked with. He's been part of multiple super groups. He's won Grammy Awards. Oh, yeah. Uh, like So I definitely think he's more than just a pure one. I think I- what totally it's like him. is where is where he kind of broke the mold of being just an artist known for hip hop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would probably be giving him around a round two.
1: Okay. Sure. Two it is. Uh, and then he has eight albums so he is gonna start at a 5.2 for breadth of work uh and he has one double platinum and one gold so we're certainly okay. not hurting him there yeah uh, no he gets to stay i don't know how much higher than 5.2 the sales are gonna get him i mean maybe
0: 5.3 mm-hmm.
1: uh and then i we're can gonna- see
0: it go into a 5.3 and then we get to assign our 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 little .5s each Right
1: So I'm gonna go ahead And take them down To a 5.1 I'm gonna take away .2
0: Okay Okay And I'll tell you what Nick I'm going to add A .1 to that Wow I I I understand Why you take away points Yeah I thought his flow Was strong And I like the guests That he brought into his Mm albums I thought he did a good job Of collaborating with people And so I'm giving him a .1
1: Sure It certainly wasn't for his performances on the songs, but I understand. (laughs) Uh, Look, instrumental talent, you're not going to talk me into a good grade here. Um, Why would I? I mean, his singing is crazy limited. Uh, His guitar playing is fine, but it's certainly nothing to write home about. And a lot of the hip-hop stuff, like here's the deal. Sampling, great. You know, like it's a songwriting tool that people use. I'm glad that it's available for people to to express their creativity with. But if you're just going to pull a bunch of other musicians and what they've done for your song, I'm not giving you the credit for their strength. Like, to me, again, that kind of sampling and stuff is more about your songwriting in the way that you put it together, but it's not your personal talent in creating those sounds. Um, it's your orchestration instead. So for me, that's... Which that is songwriting. Doesn't... Right, Exactly. that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm yeah. saying it's, it's songwriting, it's not instrumental talent. I and so he no, showed... No. So he showed nothing to me. Uh, this, this is my lowest score of the day.
0: Okay, give it to me. Give I would me the number.
1: Will, I don't know. I'd be willing to get maybe a three, unless yeah, you want to go lower. Yeah, two point eight sounds good to me. Two point eight. Okay, very good. <laughs> um, songwriting is not a two point eight, however. I mean, like, I didn't really like any of the albums, but I appreciate that he was trying to do something that he felt like was new. Sure. Um, and so I'm willing to give some credit for that. I don't think it went particularly well a lot of the time so I'm not willing to give a ton of credit I think that like not maybe one time sort of like I don't even think what it's like as a great song melodically I think it's a good song melodically with a great message which is why it's so popular but like in terms of the aspects of what he's really contributing to the writing um, that's unique to him which is the melody that he can bring to the to the songs and you know the things that he's put underneath them like he just he can't write a melody. I'm not saying, and I'm not saying he can't write. You know, I let me resent Right, I'm sure right. he could write really good melodies. You know, if he put his mind to it. But what he is physically able to do with his voice holds him back from writing strong melodies. So, like, there's not. Sure. A, I don't have a lot of praise for this, other than I respect the way that he tried to bring other things together.
0: Okay, uh, listen. I'm a little, I'm a little higher than you because. I I respect the hip hop part of it. Uh, so do and, I. and what he's do- no, yeah just no no, no not, but it's I'm just saying, not like, for me, but I respect it. Right. I I think that he has a good flow, and I think that he does a good job of where and when he samples and what he pulls from, and all of those things. I think it's good. I think this is a decent score. I mean, I well, could give him five. See, I'm a little above a five. I think that. I think that we've heard truly bad hip hop and bad sampling, and I think that I think this is above that average. It's not. I'm I'm not talking like a seven or a six. Like I'm thinking like a five three.
1: I'll
0: give you a a little bit above average. Okay.
1: I'd be willing to go that high. Uh, Poetic count. Look, I think there's one great moment that stands out, and I think there are a lot more moments where I went. Sure, that's true. (laughs) What
0: it's like is clearly the best example of songwriting. I think that there are some decent samples and examples of songwriting. I think there are also some bad examples of songwriting Mm -hmm. here. And I think all of that kind of boils out to, like, maybe a five, maybe Um, a little lower if we want to go a little lower. Yeah, I would like to go a little lower this time. Not a ton lower. I mean,
1: for me. I'm not... Trying to like tank him here or anything, but like the higher end of the fours, I think, is where he should max out. Like, uh, I'll go to a 4.8.
0: Then let's go to a 4.8.
1: Yeah. Uh, Is there X Factor?
0: Is there X Factor? I don't have any. After careful consideration, what I've decided to do was give him zero points for X Factor. Excellent. So then I have final scores for us today.
1: I'm ready. And in third place, you loser uh, is of a revolution O-A-R <laughs> with a 17.5 oh no yeah sorry for them
0: but on the plus side uh, lady who asked us uh, to play that O-A-R song at that gig once Nick now who knows it he's well I've heard, heard
1: it. it one time now yes so um, he
0: can play it from memory right now
1: right exactly uh, winning this week's episode of course Winner winner chicken dinner is Woody Guthrie, uh, and he won with a thirty-five point seven.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think that I, checks out. I kind of felt, you know, I like you know, in the moment as you're giving your numbers, you mm-hmm. you kind of get the feeling on where it's going. Correct. I could maybe feel Woody Guthrie taking this episode.
1: I so too. <laughs> now, uh, in second place, of course, we had Everlast with an even twenty,
0: Ooh, which okay. means
1: that if let's see if my math is correct oh is your math correct uh 1.8 points is the difference between oar and everlast combined over woody guthrie the (laughs) two of them together beat woody guthrie by almost two hey (laughs) if they were only if they only put out all their albums together
0: i'm honestly yeah i'm honestly a little impressed yeah that is uh, that's something you know. what We need to start looking at Nick. You know what I was thinking? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do we, I wonder if there's any scoregami left for us? What do you mean? Like you know, you, are you not familiar with what scoregami is? Not really. So scoregami is like, uh, uh, in sports, it's like the a uh, perfectly unique score. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So okay, a score. Sure. So, so like, are there no any scoregami's? For us, like, are there any numbers left yeah. that no one has ever hit? Guaranteed. It'd be fascinating
1: to see. So the lowest score you can receive on this podcast is a 0. .5. Oh, uh, yeah. No one I'll... has received that. No yeah, one has received I, anywhere right. between that. And we had one band that got a 6.66. But I'm going to guess between 0. .5 and 0. .66, nothing. I'm going to guess that there's a lot, like, below 10 that's still open. Sure, sure. I think most of the 20s have probably been taken up.
0: Mo- I would say most of the 20s, and I would say most of the, the high teens.
1: Some of yeah, a lot of the teams. lower thirties for sure too.
0: Yeah, maybe like right. maybe starting to trickle out around thirty-five, yeah. thirty-six.
1: Now, I will say please come back and listen next week because we will be discussing the OJs. So we're all aboard the love train for next week.
0: <laughs> yes, and if you are not busy Thursday evening, you will be able to catch that episode. Well, probably not by the time this comes out on audio. But a right. Thursday, your, the closest Thursday evening to you, which is two days from well, the might, time actually. this album is released, you can come listen to us live on Twitch at twitch.tv/totemtalks. We go live Eastern. at 5:30 p.m. Eastern. And standard.
1: We... <laughs> I don't want anyone <laughs> thinking daylight. it's not the standard Eastern time. Like it is Eastern Standard Time. We don't use daylight non-standard time. they, times. They change.
0: But yes, we are going on 5:30 Eastern, and we will be uh, recording the episode. We'll chat a little bit with y'all in between, so like you guys hear us go, and next, boom, and then we immediately go into it. There's a little bit of a break there. There's a little bit of us catching on our breath, getting our stuff together. We'll chat with y'all a little bit. Then it's a fun time. Hang it out is. with us, please. We miss you. You never answer me. our phone calls. We miss you dearly. dearly. And on that so, note, we are yeah, on leaving. that note. We are heading out for the day, Uh, but a big shout out to y'all. Please like, comment, and subscribe on any platforms available. Check out the videos that are being released of this podcast on YouTube if you want to catch up to the video podcast before you come check it out live, and have a great day.